When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the legend, Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. Welcome back from Morocco, homie. Thank you. Good to have you back. You're looking all tan. It was a good trip. What can I say? Nice. A week-long surf trip in Morocco. Lots of camels. There were camels. Um, There was a little bit of surf and uh, a lot of mint tea and donuts. Nice. Mint tea and donuts. My favorite. It's a good combo. Yeah. So, it's Excellent. Good to be back, so. It's good to have you back, man. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us who we're talking about today. Today we're talking about none other than Ty Lopez. Yes. Yes. So if you don't know who Ty Lopez is, he, um, you, I'm sure you've seen him on YouTube ads. So he has the famous viral here in my garage YouTube ads where he shows you his cars, but then he shows you what he's really proud of. And that is the books that he's read and accumulated throughout yes. his life. Um, I got to admit. I was a Ty Lopez skeptic. I'll just come right out and say it. There it is. I was a skeptic. A lot of people are. Um, but I was open to hearing his message, and I watched the full interview live, and I am now a believer. Uh, he had so many good things to say, and he, I found myself agreeing with a lot of what he was saying. And so, yeah, I'm chastened. I'm like, <laughs> I should have I looked at this guy earlier, and I should have paid more attention, but... I'm really excited to talk about his episode today. Nice. Me as well, man. Yeah. Let's dive into this bad boy. Let's dive in. So one of the themes of this episode is um, Ty's love of adventure. Mm. Um, And I found that really interesting that he says that he optimizes his life around adventure. And for me, it felt a little bit counterintuitive um, with all the success he's had. So I wonder, wanted to get your thoughts on why do you think that has worked so well in his benefit? So I never would have used the word adventure if I'm honest. And when I look at him in the, and there's no question he sees it as adventure, but for me, it's breadth. So there's a great quote I'm forgetting right now who it's from, but it says, when you see the way, when you, excuse me, when you learn the way broadly, you will see it in everything. Mm -hmm. And I've always like, that's one of those ones. The second I read it, I was like the, you know, screeching tires. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because basically what it's saying is when you know how to do something many different ways, then all of a sudden there's always another route. So if you hit one obstacle, you can find another way. And it's, it's the, um, antithesis of the typical quote that you hear, which is to a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. And that is so true. And you're going to find that all the time, man, like doctors, especially whatever their specialty is, Mm -hmm. like whatever you have Mm -hmm. happens to be their specialty. Like who would have guessed? 
So it, it's really fascinating how people try to cram in whatever's going on into the narrow band of information that they have. But when you know some, like when you have a really broad skill set, then you really can find the, um, you can find the appropriate answer, the thing that's actually going to work for you the best. Mm -hmm. And so because he's gone on all these adventures, as he calls it, working on um, an organic, like free range grass fed farm, like a decade, two decades before it's a thing. Yeah. Um, the fact that he became a certified financial planner, the fact that he lived with the Amish for two and a half years. I mean, he like, it wasn't like a weekend trip to the Amish, which as the sentence started, I lived with the Amish for, I'm expecting a weekend, a week, maybe a month. Right. But when it's two and a half years, it's like, that's like, think of anything you've done for two and a half years. Like it becomes your life. Yeah. So there is a period of Ty's life that is legitimately, he was an Amish dude. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. And so just having a broad set of experiences, a broad set of worldviews, um, it really helps. So I went really, really hard on Eastern philosophy when I was younger. And I, I really can't tell you how many times that's come to my aid. As somebody who lived in a very traditional um, Western thinking household, to have the notion of this too shall pass as a teenager, right, was really useful for getting through dark times where it's like, I know this feeling is going to fade. I know that everything is impermanent. So I know that we really do have the, um, the ability to become more successful, the more avenues that we have to think about, the more angles that we can approach a problem, all that. And I, I think that's where these adventures have really served him. And he feels like someone who's I will say naturally programmed to go on these adventures, but I would say the majority of people aren't. They like to kind of stay within their comfort zone, mm. do the things that are familiar to them. So what would you tell someone if you think this is important for people to make different connections and find other avenues for success? How can people start well, to use uh, Ty's term, um, be, become more adventurous? I'll use another quote from him in the episode. Get out of the house. Right. And this goes to anybody that's asking, how do I find my passion? Of course, is the words that they're going to use. For me, you develop your passion, but it starts by encountering a bunch of things and seeing which ones spark your interest. Once something sparks your interest, then through engagement by doing it, then you're going to see if it really develops into a fascination. And if it develops into a fascination, then go about gaining mastery and you've got a chance at, at creating a passion out of that thing, which I think requires mastery in order to really be a passion. So get out there, do things, encounter things that, that at the end of the day is really the key. So if you don't feel wired for the adventure, don't set off on something big, just get out of the house, like go meet people, go, Ty talks about networking in the episode, go network, go meet fascinating people, start asking interesting questions. Like I, I really don't enjoy being social. So to find something that really draws me into that world, I found that if I can find out what it is about that person that really fascinates me, suddenly it becomes very interesting. So I go into any encounter like that armed with questions, right? Which probably doesn't surprise people because most of the people that have encountered me, they came because of the show. And so they think of me as someone who just sort of naturally like has all these questions, but that actually isn't me at all. Yeah. And it was me saying, I, I think that one of my superpowers is being able to find the thread of fascination within any human being. And so that always intrigued me. But building up that bevy of questions to draw that out, to really learn something from somebody is something I really had to teach myself as a way of like really 
um, not just engaging with the situation, but making a situation enjoyable. So I think for people that don't naturally find themselves drawn to the adventure, you've got to find a way to taking that first step to making it fun for you so that when you go out, even if it is just arming yourself with a bunch of questions where you actually want to know the answer, and quite frankly, putting you around people where the main topic of the day is something that you actually care about, which is another good indicator of something that will be very interesting. So, and for Ty, like that's what drew him to the Amish, right? He felt like he was um, going down a potentially very narcissistic path in his life and wanted an opportunity to be around people that he felt had really escaped a lot of, of that. And I think it's pretty insightful of him that he sees that about himself. And, you know, it's been really, really fascinating reading the comments because you've got people who come in closed minded, right? So by the way, big ups to you. So you were super skeptical about Ty. I've been very open about the I don't want to talk about cars, Lamborghinis, girls, like none of that, like as a way to get my message out is very interesting to me, but I am so blown away by what he's accomplished that I've always been like, dude, man, I've got nothing but like, I want to, to pry the nuggets out of this man's mind because he's done such amazing stuff. And so for people to show up and like want to not listen because they have preconceived notions about him is crazy. So mad love to you for saying, okay, I'm skeptical, like, but I'm going to open myself up to being changed by what he says and right. really like hearing it. And I remember you saying right after the episode, like, I was very impressed. Yeah. And he said things, I found myself agreeing with him. And so seeing some of the comments on YouTube that people aren't doing that, that they're like actively yeah. going. And the funny thing was, so I totally anticipated that. And you, you know that I did because one of the questions I asked him was specifically about that, mm -hmm. that he did this thing where I still can't believe he did this, this madness to me, but he, this guy was straight trolling him on the internet. Mm -hmm. And Ty saying wasn't ignore him. It wasn't try to bash him. He said, let's go online live right now and record and let's debate. And you can just hit me with the things that you think and we'll actually structure the debate a little bit and um, you'll get a chance to say everything that you want and I'll get a chance to rebut it. And I thought, that's somebody who's really confident in like what he's being attacked by. And Ty's thesis was, okay, you're on the phone, Skype, whatever they were on, you're on the phone with somebody who has had a level of accomplishment in, in social media. You, you can say everything else is bullshit, fine. But you can't deny how many views I've been able to get on my videos and as a way of really generating or controlling attention, which I, I just think is true, and Ty certainly isn't the only person saying that, and I think a lot of very respected people will say, yeah, attention matters. I'll tell you, fucking attention matters. Yeah. So he's saying you, you've got somebody on the phone who knows how to generate attention, and rather than saying like, hey, how have you done that? Like discard everything else. Fine. Discount me. No problem. But the one thing that you're yourself trying to do, you're not asking me about. And like, why? And the funny thing was that like, but even before Ty asked that question, that was my obsession. Why is this guy doing that? Like what, what possible benefit does he get out of getting Ty to admit that he's wrong? What, what benefit? Like that to me, it doesn't do anything. Whereas if you go, even if you think 99.9% .9 of the stuff that comes out of Ty's mouth is total horseshit, like the 1% may change your life. And so to, to shut it down, it's crazy. Is that Can, just like an ego protective move? 100%. Yeah. It, it is so dumb. It is such a dumb strategy. Like I don't put hate out into the universe. Why? Because it's energy I'm putting on to shutting someone down rather than opening myself up to like really like... What good are they doing? What can I take? What's interesting? Yeah. So 
man, I go into anything just trying to find that point of fascination. I'm trying to find that thing that I can learn. I'm trying to find that one nugget that can empower me. So that, like hearing him talk about that, I, I was like, that's it. That, that is the magic question. And I don't know why, I don't know why more people don't ask simply that question. Yeah, and I loved his um, response to that, which was, you know, you can take you, you can take the take the good from someone and just let go of the bad stuff. Right. And you don't have to fixate on the bad stuff. If there's stuff, he's like, there's stuff that people don't like about me. He's like, that's fine. He said, there's stuff that I don't like about myself that I said a year ago where I was right. wrong. He said, but take the um, take the wisdom and leave everything else behind. And it reminded me of a previous Impact Theory guest, uh, Tim Ferriss, and his notion of. What can I learn from the person I hate the most? And it's that separating that morality with Dude. efficacy, which is a super powerful tool. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Like, it, this, this is one of the secrets. It's just fucking out there. It's in everybody's face. And people ignore it. And, it, and even more than it's ego protective, when you said that I jumped all over, yes, the, the real answer is it feels awesome to be right. Mm. And it feels really awesome to prove somebody else is wrong. It's just really dumb. It's such a waste of time and energy. It does not help. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. It doesn't so you your goals. It literally, uh, I don't understand. Like people spend all this time and energy. It is absolutely crazy. And I'm over there quiet in the corner just going, ah, oh, but there's something new that I can use. Oh my God, it's amazing. Like yeah. keep them talking versus like people that are trying to shut them down. It, it is honestly, when I see people do that, I, I see it the same way I see mental illness. I'm like, it is so counter to what you say you want to get out of life. Like you're mentally ill. You're so lost in your own mind. You can't see how useless that strategy is. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I will say that a lot of the comments coming in on YouTube are people who were skeptical and watched the interview and are now um, changed like me or people who are saying, well, I know that if this, if Ty's coming on impact theory, that Tom brought him on for a reason, that the team brought him on for a reason. And so I'm going to listen up, which has been really cool. So thank you community. Oh man, no, no kidding. I, and I'm super stoked on that. And it, it gives a lot of responsibility, right? It keeps us on the straight and narrow to know like you, we can't ever phone one in because yeah, yeah. the community is like watching and they care very deeply about who we bring on the show. And Ty and I had had a chance to meet in person before um, deciding to do each other's shows. So um, that helps a lot, right? To, to find out like, who is this person? I want to look him in his eye and just see what he's about. And, and, and yeah, I, I just think that what he's accomplished is undeniable. And so to waste time um, arguing or debating, like, I don't even care. Like, I, I went into this going, okay, if every conspiracy theory about him is true, is there still something I can learn from him? And if there is, then bring him on. And then it was clear. It's just like, what I'm trying to build a community, I'm trying to get views. And in in our ecosystem, like, he's winning. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, I would like to know more. And then getting to spend time with him then after we shot and getting to know him better, he's he's there's really stuff that he just knows, man. And he understands and yeah. So, and also if I could just tell one quick anecdote, he is an, a real serious avid reader because a lot of people will critique him for that. There's no way he's reading all those books that mm. he says he is. It's, he's just showing off, but you guys were talking and I was kind of eavesdropping and he was, you guys were talking about films and he was talking about the movie, the murder on the Orient express. And he was like, yeah, I want to go see that. And it's a, you know, it's a great book, Agatha Christie. 
And it was just kind of like a throwaway comment. <laughs> like this guy is reading Agatha Christie. He's reading all kinds of books and mm. it's, it's really important to like his identity. Right. And that's yeah. something he loves to do. So yeah. Another reason that he's, he's for real. Agreed. All right, let's move on. Um, the title of this episode is why grinding isn't enough. And Ty had a really amazing portion of the interview where he breaks down the four key, the four parts of conscientiousness. Mm. Um, and I want to dive in just because um, like hard work is something that we talk a lot about here on impact theory. And as you being a big proponent of hard work and grinding, what are your thoughts on his notion that um, it's not going doing more grinding isn't necessarily going to bring more success? Yeah, look, there's three things that you have to do. You've got to work long, hard and smart. There's no to me, there's absolutely no two ways around any one of them. And he gives the example in um, the interview. Hey, let's say that you'd bought $100 worth of Bitcoin back in whatever 2005. And if you had done that now, it'd be worth 75 million or some crazy number like that. And he said, is that working hard or is it working smart? And the answer is it's working lucky. You got lucky. I don't think anybody um, buying it like right as it's coming out can predict how the market is going to react to that. Right. So, but I think that if you go in, you learn about it, you buy some, and then you build that server farm that mines for it. And instead of buying a hundred, you buy a hundred thousand. And now you're, you know, a billionaire, whatever the math works out to be, that's working long, hard and smart. Right. So it's like whatever smart got you, like, even if you're going to say, Tom, that's crazy. It's not luck. It's smart. Okay, great. But now combine that with working long and hard as well. And you get more like this is one of those, Jared, it's fucking absurd. And at some point I'm just going to stop answering the question because if you can't patently see how, if you now remember, if you love what you do, Every word out of my mouth about working long, hard, and smart is predicated on this is your deepest fucking passion. I'm not saying go work long, hard, and smart at something you don't like. My whole fucking story is about don't do that. I did it. Learn from me. Don't be a dumbass. And make sure it's something that you care deeply about. Make sure it's something that you would enjoy in the moment, even if you were losing. So now it's okay you can work smart, that's great, but are you working long and hard? If you're not, you're just not getting as much out of it as you want. And if you're working long, hard, and smart, and you know you're leaving it all out in the field and you wanna take a day off, take it off. You wanna take a week off, take it off. You wanna take two weeks, take it off. If you're not feeling fulfilled or happy, then fucking change. Like, that. none of that is the point, right? My whole thesis, the game you're playing isn't success anyway, it's brain chemistry. So do what makes you feel good. I'm just saying that when you find that thing that you love, I can't believe I say find, when you've created that thing that you love at the center and put it at the center of your universe and then going long, hard, and smart about it makes you feel alive and you're enjoying it, feeling deeply fulfilled, like you're serving other people. It's amazing. Like this is, if it feels like you're shoving your hand in a meat grinder, you're doing the wrong thing. It's not that working long, hard, and smart isn't the path to success. In fact, I'll tell you, it's the only path to success. Yeah. How does someone know, let's say they're working really hard, how do they know that they're not working smart? not getting the result. I mean, if you're, if the only reason to change course is if you're not getting the result that you want, right? So, um, that that's huge. And, and hiding in that question is the real million dollar question, which is how do you get good at recognizing whether you're actually making progress? Mm -hmm. So oftentimes, and, and I'll address this to you, lovely people at home. Oftentimes the team here is confused about where the um, the company is going, because to them, I look like a strobe light. And 
if you've ever done, if you've ever danced in a strobe light and, and the strobe light is the only source of light, people seem to like move in jumps, right? It's yeah. very surreal. And as you dial it down and like those strobes get farther and farther apart, it gets harder and harder to tell what those motions really are. So I spend so much of my time assessing, reassessing, and really thinking about are we making progress towards building a studio that's pulling people out of the matrix at scale? Like I think about that so, so, so much, but it's all internal work. It's done quietly. I'm not like for every time I bring it up to the team, I've thought about it 10 to 20 times more. So it's, you guys are seeing me in like these strobe motions. And so one thing that we're trying to bake into the company is that it's a, a routine where I sit down and tell everybody where my thoughts are, where they're headed. So, that the reason that I spend so much time doing that is because I know it's never obvious. It's never apparent. So much of what you're doing, you're like, is this really building towards something? And like bamboo, it takes like, oh, I'm going to get these wrong. It takes something like five years for the, the root ball of a bamboo um, plant to grow. And so for five years, nothing breaks the surface. Mm-hmm. And then once it breaks through the surface in, in, I'm not joking, it's something like in five weeks, it can be three stories tall. So you're like, uh, this is the most slowest growing plant ever. Slow, slow, slow. And then it is the scourge of the neighborhood because it will grow so fast after that. Like some places actually won't let you plant bamboo because once it breaks through and it has that root system, it goes fucking crazy. So that is that process. Like you've, you've got to do that internal work. You've got to be able to tell, is this the root ball to something that's about to blossom or is this really the world's slowest growing plant? And so that's a lot of introspection. It's a lot of asking hard questions. It's a lot of figuring out what the metrics are. It's a lot of dropping your ego and really checking yourself every day and saying, am I wrong? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? And by the way, can I hedge my bets? And so if you read Ray Dalio, everything that he does from an investing strategy, I realize I try to do from a business strategy because I think these are going to work, but to go all in on something is just a mistake. And so you guys hear me talk about this a lot. It's like, hey, here's how we could, somebody asked just today, how could we do these big things faster? And I was like, hire more people. But the fact is some things just take time. And so these relationships that I've made or am making that I know won't pay off for two years, three years, like I need to buy myself just the raw amount of time to let those things mature and turn into something. So it it would make a very big difference. Let's say you've got $100 million to spend on a project. If you spend all $100 million in year one, I think that is definitively lessening your chances of success than saying, I'm going to spend $10 million a year for the next 10 years. Then you've really got a shot. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need and Impact Theory's own Chief Financial 
financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Awesome. Um, The other component of conscientiousness is prudence, which is making the right decision at the right time. Um, He has a really great analogy that um, people don't find their true north or they, they struggle to do that and they might go in the opposite direction all the way around the world to get back to this thing that was mm. right in front of them but they went in the opposite direction so um, i love this idea what are some techniques that you've used to f- find your true north or to calibrate metrics so one super clear goal right which honestly that it isn't so much that you, um, if you don't know what your true north is, meaning your goal, your very, very specific goal, and there are people near and dear to me who have been around me for a very long time that still don't understand how specific a goal has to be. So set your true north. Now it's a question of what what your compass is telling you, right? So which way is my goal? And so in um, Ty's analogy, he's like, you, your compass is often wrong. Yeah. So you know what you're trying to get to, you just don't know the direction to move in, and so people end up moving in the wrong direction. So that really comes down to your metrics. So what metrics are you holding yourself accountable to, and then are you really looking at them, which by the way, isn't fun. I don't enjoy that part of my day, and I try to do it daily, where I'm really saying, okay, here's my intention for the day, here's what has to get done, uh, and, and it's it isn't fun. It's way more fun to steer by what's feeling good. Where am I having fun? Um, so I've had to, cause I felt like I was getting lost. Like I, I talk to people all the time about, I have my important things list, my important things list. And then I realized this fucking list is getting so long and you're a really good conscience about this, about, okay, these are all cool opportunities, but like we're drowning in opportunity now. So we need to start narrowing them down. So I narrowed everything down to the three pillars. If you're not like addressing one of the three pillars, like fucking stop. Yeah. And so that's been great in my life to give me a lot of clarity. Cause there's a lot of things I want to do that I'm not going to do. So knowing what to stay out of very clear direction and then metrics. Those are your three. Awesome. Uh, switching gears a little bit. Uh, Ty talks a lot about how people change and he ties us into this conversation of the audience he's going after with his content. It's 18 to 25. And the reason is because that's when people are still malleable. Mm. Um, he says after 25, the research has shown that it takes trauma essentially for people to change so i wanted to get your thoughts on that because he really said like 
in, you need to let trauma into your life in order to be successful and to change after the age of 25. Yeah. Agent Smith, I, I think he's probably right yeah. to, a, to a large degree. And I, you know I struggle with this. And th- this is the number two reason why I don't have kids. Like legitimately, this is number two. I, I know they need to suffer because I, I think that applies to everybody as malleable as kids are and maybe it's easier for them. I still think pain and suffering and, and struggle is all the, the real answer to how humans change. So if I had to guess the level of trauma required to make that change gets bigger and bigger as you get older, that makes a lot of sense to me because it, when you're young, at least it doesn't have to break an old paradigm before it builds a new one. As you get older, not only is, is your brain solidifying, it remains plastic in some areas, but there certainly are more limits. Um, but you also have to break paradigms. You've got these things that are hardwired in you, ways that you just invisibly have come to believe things about the world, right? So you're not even aware that you've done it. So then to have to unwind it. So that trauma just forces a, a, a real deep reflection. And like me, like when I got out of film school and, and I f- was so broken because I no longer believed that I was talented. And so I needed a new way to think, which led me to the growth mindset, which of course didn't have a name back then. But I just needed to not feel permanently stuck, like I could never be good. And so that forced me to either, I mean, not to be extreme because I was not contemplating suicide, but that was like, either you just sort of give up and kill yourself or stop trying or whatever, or decide I can get better and fuck what anybody says. And the irony is this, this was all happening for me in the late nineties and brain plasticity was considered false back then. And I still had to let myself believe it. So like in the early sort of 2005-ish time, and maybe it was coming out before then, but that's certainly when it made my radar, I was like, oh my God, like finally science is backing up what I have forced myself to believe. So yes, I fear that he's right. I fear that it really does take trauma. I don't want to give up on adults. I really want to get Jeffrey Canada on the show because I want to know if I've made up that he said he was giving up on adults. I'm pretty sure that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's somebody, man, if anybody out there knows Jeffrey Canada, um, I know you're out there, people. Um, help me get him on the show. I just think he's one of those little-known guys that is so, so incredible and really inspired me. But one of the things he said was, I only focus on kids. I, I've totally given up on adults. And I thought, oh, God, I don't want to hear that. Because I, I, out of pure enjoyment and desire, I can't give up on adults. Yeah. But, oh, can I confess? Sure. This is one of the areas that if the metrics are there, like, so as Impact Theory, we'll make content for kids and adults. If the adult shit isn't working and we're not able to merchandise, we'll just quintuple down on kids. So that is one area where while I'll never allow myself to say I'm giving up on adults, it'll be very easy to say the the crowd has spoken, right? So the market has let me know where to put my energy. Yeah, I think I agree with him too. And, you know, I wasn't, it's, I was still optimistic about it because in the context of someone like David Goggins and everything he talks about with you, you do have to invite suffering into your mm. life to change. And his story being so powerful about he, how he changed through suffering and the way that it resonated with our audience and with, at this point, a million other people who have seen the video, um, there's something there for sure. It, it works. There's no question about that. The only question is, is it the only thing that works? Mm. Interesting. All right. Um, talking about fear to be a motivator, um, Ty says that you have to let a little bit of fear in with regard to um, you know how you're doing, uh, your level of success, and that's how you realize that um, you know 
he said you have to realize that not everyone can win. So that's a question I had for you is can everybody win? I mean, it, it, the fast answer is no. Then I'll qualify it and say define win because yes, like I, I, this has really, really become my obsession and I want everyone to listen closely. Like if you give a shit about me and you dig my worldview and you're in this uh, because of my worldview, I, I want to make clear the anchor point is this. Humans as a species are designed to adapt. Full stop. Every other species took the niche route where they're really good at surviving in one narrow band. And that's why they come out of the womb immediately capable of a lot of things. And the easiest one is a foal, right? So a baby horse comes out and it can walk, run, everything. Like right away. Yeah. Like think about that for a second. If, if an infant dropped out and was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and like ran around, everyone would flip out. Like that would, that would just be the most surreal thing ever. But other animals do it all the time. And we're not weirded out by that. And the reason is that evolution, you have two options. You can option one, hardwire everything so that they're not defenseless when they're born, which means that the parents don't have to look after it or take care of it. And then option two is program them for maximum flexibility, but they're going to be like a lump for a really long time because it's got to assess what's going on in my environment. Now, this leads into epigenetics, which is absolutely fascinating. And epigenetics, so when they first decoded the human genome, they said, okay, this is weird. We only have 20,000 genes, all this junk DNA, but we only have 20,000 genes. An onion has 40,000 genes, so what's going on? Like, There's no way that an onion is actually more complicated than a human. It just doesn't make sense like biologically. And so... And I remember, and this, I'll be a little bit arrogant for a second, but full disclosure, at one point I thought that Einstein was wrong about the theory of, um, about light not aging, so I'm a moron. <laughs> but like, I was arrogant enough to think maybe he just misunderstood it. Yeah. Um, but I had the same reaction the very first time people started talking about junk DNA. I was like, I promise you, at some point they go, oh, that's what junk DNA, is. it just doesn't make sense yeah. that there would be this overwhelming amount of stuff that does nothing and only this slight sliver. It's like um, dark matter, right? It, we just don't know what it is, okay? So at some point it will become abundantly clear, oh, that's what it is. It isn't some like unessential thing that we don't need to pay attention to. There's a reason it makes up like whatever, 80% of the mass in the universe. Right. Uh, so, so what is junk DNA? So junk DNA, thank you. I'll, <laughs> I'll bring us around. Uh, junk DNA is epigenetic. Um, I want to say the word signaling. It's not quite that. It's the instructions for those 20,000 genes exactly in what ratio and um, how they talk to each other, how they should express themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to make this up, but imagine of each one of those 20,000 genes, they've got a scale of one to 100 of expression. And then they can express in different groups, which is why the human animal is so complicated. So for instance, there was a woman that swam the Bering Strait. Now, if you know the Bering Straits, what separates Alaska and Russia, it's some cold fucking water. Yeah. So how on earth was she able to swim it in a wetsuit? I don't even think she was in a dry suit, dude. So she's in a wetsuit. She swims the Bering Strait, and it takes like four hours or something crazy. So you should be in hypothermia within like 30 minutes. So they were like, 
She's most likely going to die. They rowed a boat next to her. But what she did was for a year or more, she exposed herself to the cold. So she lived in, I'm making this up, but it was like Alaska. But she would sleep with the window open. So she's sleeping in like 15 degree temperatures with no blankets, no sheets, nothing. So slowly over time, cold showers only, she acclimates herself. Now, the body has a mechanism, it's called brown fat. And what it, it has, there's certain, uh, there's white fat, brown fat, and there's actually beige fat, but I can't remember what beige fat is. But brown fat is, is thermogenic. So it actually, and supposedly you can look at people with those infrared goggles and actually see the distribution of brown fat on their body, which is pretty interesting. Um, so she basically converted her fat into brown fat. So her body was like, fuck, we're gonna die if we don't do this. Whoa. So that is but one of the examples of the deep way that humans can adapt to their environment. Um, f- fasting and famines and then during pregnancy have epigenetic signaling that can be passed on for three generations. So I mean, wow. it's just, so that's the core thesis. That was a very long way of saying, my core thesis about the human animal is our ability to adapt. Now. Once you own that, okay, humans can adapt, that is literally what we're wired to do. Now, to me, regardless of age, you've got to decide what do you want to point yourself at? What is going to be the thing that you force yourself into an adaptation response? So once you pick that and you go hard, you're willing to suffer and push and bend and break and do all the things that are required because it does need a stressor for you to get that response. But once you do that, then it's like you really unleash the power of being the human animal. But you first have to accept and own that that is the core like tenant of being a human, is our ability to adapt. So to fail to trigger that in your life is really to fail to um, use your humanity. And how can we bring this around to the, like, the fact that, so you said define win, right? Can everybody win? Yeah, so the, the win in, in that case is to really make the most of your humanity. So it's like, if you're willing to, like I begin every episode by saying that the goal of the company is to introduce you to the people and ideas that are gonna help you actually execute on your dreams. Okay, that's winning to me. I don't need your dream to be to be a billionaire or to solve world hunger, right? It can be anything, like whatever you want it to be. So that to me is a win. And I think that if that everyone can win at. Everyone can express um, their potential by actually acquiring new skills. So to me, that's a big win. Um, Not everyone is going to say, okay, I want to be the greatest in the world at this and actually be able to pull it off. I think there are some things that are zero-sum games. um, That's just all real. And so you've really got to push and work hard to win at that level. And everyone can win at the game of brain chemistry. That's for sure. Awesome. Love it. All right. Um, I, I really liked how Ty talked a lot about um, organization, being disciplined about your intentions for the day. And he talked a little about a lot of strategies for that. I know you have your list of important things, but is there anything else you're doing lately? I know that I find like, I'm a highly organized person, high conscientious. I love checking things off the checklist, but sometimes I fear that maybe that's just pacifying my um, actual progress that mm. I'm not making actual progress, but it's good to hear that this is a key component to kind of staying focused and keeping your intention. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, yes, those are all useful things. I'm not sure like there's super, um, deep things to add to that. I, if you're like you, it can be a danger. And if you're like me, it's an absolute necessity. Yeah. And so you really have to understand yourself and you really have to figure out what side of that coin that you're on. Um, and the, the really intriguing part that I want to talk about is 
um, how people do pacify themselves with that. But I've been really like enjoying my deep, long answers. So I'm going to stop myself this time. Okay. Uh, and I'll say, yes, I totally get why he's into that. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about is his idea that you should, you should push for smaller wins and set less ambitious goals. I really wanted to hear you talk about this because I know you're all about going after the moonshots. So what did you think about his, um, you know, his explanation there? Is there some truth to it? Have you seen people, like he said, he's seen people fall that try to shoot all the way up the staircase and fall flat on their face and break their nose? Yeah. yeah. So to thine own self be true. You really do have to know yourself. You have to know what excites you. And then, so that, that to me is, I need the big goals. And I'll never be able to adequately express. So this morning I had a meeting with definitely one of the five most powerful people um, in Hollywood. Uh, 100%. I will not reveal his name. Um, but if you know the five most powerful, it was one of them. Like th this is one of those, like it's not even up for debate, right? So, um, and I'm thinking in this moment, like, holy shit, I know on a long enough timeline, I'm actually gonna pull this off. And those moments where I have glimpses of, I can do this, like for real, it's not rhetoric. Like I'm, I'm actually executing against building the studio. And that for me, like I was high. I felt like, you know, you know when it's like um, three o'clock, like this, this is what it's gonna be like tomorrow. 3 p.m. tomorrow, the day before Thanksgiving, you know how you're just in a giddy mood and like, fuck it, I don't wanna work anymore. Like coming back from that meeting, I had that same like giddy sense of like, I just wanna do like the, not, I don't wanna do any of the like ticky tacky, executy bullshit. Like I wanna be big picture motherfucker. I wanna sit everybody down and talk about like how this is actually going to work. Yeah. I was just like, that's where I was. So that for me, is the intoxicant that pulls me through all the boring ticky tacky bullshit. That meeting will come back to me a thousand times when I'm dealing with something I really don't wanna deal with. Now, for many other people, that, that big thing is so scary and so overwhelming that they really are gonna risk failing and then lose confidence in themselves. So now setting that aside, that's to thine own self be true. Know if you, want, if you should be dreaming big or really thinking nice, concrete steps, very executable one after another. The other thing is everyone, I don't care if you're a big picture person or not, everybody has to earn credibility with themselves through micro wins. Mm -hmm. So a micro win for me does not need to be business oriented. So I'm moonshotting the business. I don't give a shit. Nothing else is going to interest me enough. I'm not going to think like, hey, let's put out a comic. And then maybe if, the, if we get the comic out, in fact, can I tell you, I know somebody doing that. You know them too. And they have fucked themselves because they just thought so narrowly, I'm going to win in comics and then I'll move on to the next thing. And so comics became their focus and they've been trapped now for a decade. Mm. We're going to come in from the outside, totally disrupt it because we don't give a shit if our comics work or not because we're building a studio, right? So it's like, oh, the comic work. Yes. Great. Do more. Comic didn't work. Okay. Fuck that. On to the next. Right. So it's like, I'm not going to get trapped trying to make it work because I've got a much bigger vision. Right. So I, I think that that helps. But for me, my micro win every day, go to the gym. 
go to the gym, show up at the gym. I said I would work out and I worked out, right? So that's a micro win. That tells me I've got credibility with myself. I say I'm gonna do something, then I back it up. So it isn't, hey, look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Because that's not a micro win. That, that would right. take everything right. I have to do that. So it's, all right, I've got the micro win to gain that credibility with myself that I know that I can apply to other things. Eating right, another one. You can every day, every day, micro win, micro win. Do I, no, because I'm not, I'm not, um, I don't use my time inefficiently. I was about to use a word that people really get up in arms about, so I'll stop yeah. myself. Um, but that making your bed is dumb. <laughs> so don't make your bed. I've, what I've, a catastrophic waste of time. I've read articles where people say that that's a micro win, that people use that psychologically to get like, oh, I made my bed. I did something. It's like something productive for the day. Then, then I will take it all back and I'll say if that's your micro win, hell yeah. Cool. So you need micro wins, right? Yeah. So if making your bed is that one, then it's not a waste of time. Uh, that is not a micro win for me and seems like a screaming waste of time. <laughs> I literally, that, that to me is making your bed seems like the least useful micro win of all time. Yep. But if, that's, if it's serving people, then keep at it. I don't make my bed, but I kind of want to. Thank the Lord. I kind of want to. Really? Yeah. Why? To have a micro win? Yeah. I, well, it's if it's you need the, a micro, it's the conscientious win. thing too. Like I like order, I like things. Well, you can't do it for that reason. Absolutely, cannot do it for that reason. Like that, and I'll just be the Jared in the situation for a second and remind you that eighty percent of business is knowing what not to do. Yep. And like making the bed might be fun, but is it really going to move you towards That's your true. goals? That's a good point. Uh, because you stop me from doing fun things all the time. <laughs> because fun. they don't move us towards our goals. But like yeah. I'm. I am beyond grateful for that. I need that. So um, that is a, a tremendous value add. So Cool. Keeping me honest. All right. Last question. What do you think is next for Ty Lopez? Wow. What a fun question. Uh, you're not supposed to say, I guess, what a great question, but that's a fucking great question. Yeah, been, this is the third time I've asked it. I'm trying to make this the last question I asked. Oh, damn it. Now I'm going to start recognizing patterns, so I'll beat you to the punch. And part of the fun is, is not knowing what I'm going to answer. What is next? So let me really prognosticate. Ty is bright. Mm -hmm. Do not underestimate Ty. Ty also off camera is like he is on camera. So he took me to a basketball game. I've never, I don't care about sports at all, but I have a rule in life. Always say yes. So he texted me and he was like, Hey, do you want courtside tickets? And I was like, I literally said to Lisa, this is the weirdest invite I'm going to get today. So the answer is an immediate yes. Uh, so I went with him and he was like talking to the people next to him and like, they were really discussing and, and. I don't even think he knew the guy, but the guy knew who he was. They were both courtside. So there's already some credibility built into the exchange. And so they start talking about real estate. And I was like, oh shit. And they start talking about, hey, I've got some deals. Like if you want to look at it. And I thought that this is like how deal flow, by the way, actually does happen. You have some weird common shared interest. You come to a place where it's like the place in and of itself has credibility. And so, you know, okay, everybody here is just at a certain level. And so they start talking about it. And I realized, okay, this guy's actually like trying to make business stuff happen. He was talking 
talking to me about his mentor in a box and like what they were trying to do with that. And I was like, he really thinks about this stuff. And even when we weren't on camera, he kept asking me questions like for advice and stuff. And I thought he's really trying to learn. Like at all times, he's really trying to learn. And he's very open about why he does the Lamborghinis and the girls and all that stuff. And he was like, I I have to earn the right to get them to pay attention. And if my goal really is to get them to read and I know that young people like that's the reward. And so I'm going to show them the reward and then work backwards. I was like, yeah, I got nothing but respect for it. So I, I, I will be very, very interested to see because I think that like social media and stuff is going to go in waves and I'll be really interested to see what happens when either he doesn't want to be like way out front anymore or just that tide changes and he isn't finding it as an effective of a strategy. I think that he'll do just as well when he's not able to use that. And in the meantime, I think he'll crush it. Um, keep doing, he's got, I don't know how much he wants to t- me to talk about some of the things he told me behind the scenes. So I'll just say he seems focused now on physical products. Mm-hmm. And so if he can really get a physical product that resonates with his audience, which he seems to really understand who his audience is. Mm-hmm. So if he makes a physical product for his audience that really resonates with them, um, I, I think that he could do something pretty special. So I, I think he's going to keep going up. Um, Joe Saladin, his mentor, there is a really great London Real interview that he did. So he's pretty amazing in his own right. So it's not like some like fuckhead local accountant. Like this guy's really done some stuff and is is revered enough that he's being interviewed on London Real. And he was like, you don't understand. At 19 years of age, Ty Lopez set a bar that has never been surpassed by any... Um, intern that I've had ever since. He was like, the, the, the guy is just like a brutally hard worker, very sharp, willing to take risks. Look, that guy knows him a lot better than I do. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, I don't think Ty got lucky. I think that he's, he's audacious and was willing to try something. And unfortunately, something that's worked for him, which is the flashy cars, the big house, all that, has backlash. I hope people look past that and really listen. Does he have something to offer you or not? I think he does. Awesome. All right. Well, that's it for today. All right. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of After Impact. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe here. And if you're a film buff and you love film, you love TV shows, which we are in a golden age of TV, like comic books, all that stuff, go over right now on YouTube to Impact Theory Studios, Impact Theory Studios on YouTube, and subscribe there. We're making a lot of really cool content all around media, and by the way, we're working on our first round of comics. It's taking way longer than I thought, but it looks like it's gonna be a lot cooler than expected. So join us for that ride over on the studio side if you're into that. Don't do it as a favor to me, only do it if you're really into that stuff. I want a diehard audience there. Um, So that'll be really, really meaningful. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.